There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods. They do not worship the golden statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, and drum, and entire musical ensembles, fall down and worship the statue that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times more than was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was so astonished, he rose up quickly and said to his counselors, Was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, True, O king. He replied, But I see four men unbound walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together, and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of fire came from them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people nation or language that utters blasphemy against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb to limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is the word of God from the people of, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I really want to give you an opportunity today Uh, to spend a little time with Scripture, uh, to spend time with uh, some of those stories that I call the flannel board stories. 
They are the stories that when you were young, growing up in vacation Bible school, if you're old like me, there wasn't PowerPoint, there was no video, no shiny happy kids singing all the songs uh, there in the group time for VBS. What there was was this thing called a flannel board. And it was, um, you know, a board with flannel wrapped over it. And uh, usually ahead of time, the VBS worker would have cut out uh, particular characters also out of flannel and would use them to tell the story. And so they would uh, probably for this story pop up there a, a statue of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, uh, there'd probably be three little figures for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, there'd certainly be a furnace uh, with um, some orange cutout flames that would be put up there. You get the idea. These flannel board stories I think uh, when we are looking for deep truth in difficult times, we assume that those flannel board stories can just be moved over to the side. That was the cute one about the furnace and how Jesus was in the furnace with them. That's nice, but I need real scripture for today. Or we look at the other scripture passage that will come later about Daniel in the lion's den, and we think that's nice. You know, God locked their jaws so Daniel wouldn't get hurt, right? And we assume that these flannel board stories are childish expressions of faith. But I want to suggest to you today that the stories of our Vacation Bible School, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is actually a story that helps educate us to know who will, uh, um, uh, those stories are the ones who help us know who will deliver us. They are stories of deliverance. And I believe that now and on into the future, we will need stories of how we have been delivered in the past and how God will deliver us in the future. The story of Daniel 3 is set against the backdrop of the plight of the exiles during Babylon. This was, you know, kind of the great reversal, the great upside down, right? Um, prophets had been out to talk to the Israelites for a long time. The Israelites had uh, refused to be faithful to God. And so God allowed the Israelites to be taken in battle, to be conquered by another nation, and to be carried off into exile. Now, half the nation of Israel, it said, was carried off into exile, um, and they were uh, scattered throughout the Babylonian Empire and given jobs appropriate to their skills and their trade and their craft. And they lived away from the land. Now, uh, um, academics will tell us that uh, the stories of Daniel are actually a little more contemporary than the exile that they uh, might um, correlate more uh, with a time in which the Persian Empire had taken over uh, Israel. But see, this is something that we do. We, we transpose stories, just like uh, Daniel 3 did. We tell a story of the last time we were delivered to inspire us to know how to find deliverance now. And so that's what's happening here. Um, it, it is all, uh, in some ways, the narrative raises the central question, how does one survive under a foreign empire? And how does one remain a faithful believer amidst many threats to our faithful identity? Now, one of the things that I think is fascinating about God's word, and I encourage you to dig deeper than just the flannel board surface, 
is to realize that there's a lot going on here in Daniel. I mean, there, there's a reason why Josh and I wanted to play uh, rock, paper, scissors to figure out who was going to preach the most uh, number of Sundays in this series. For example, some of those places where you can dig deeper and become amazed. Remember that in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel's been set up and he's invited and requested that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego become uh, officials in the government. And so there are people around King Nebuchadnezzar that that don't like this. They, They don't want the Jews in power at all. And so there are a number of ways in which Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are put in their place. One of the ways is that while as a part of King Nebuchadnezzar's court, they are not referred to as their born given names. You see, their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And you know this um, from uh, biblical uh, study, that biblical names are often tied to a quality or an aspect of faithful life. And so for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, you know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, Their names meant um, Hananiah meant uh, God is gracious. Uh, Mishael meant who is like God. And for Azariah, God keeps him. But see, if you're in King Nebuchadnezzar's court, you can't carry your strange Eastern um, uh, mystic religion with you. And so when they joined the, chor- the, the court, they were named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego which are all phrases related to faithful living to Babylonian gods. Abendigo means servant of Nego. Nego is one of those Babylonian gods that were worshipped in Nebuchadnezzar's time. Do you see that the, um, the difficulty, the oppression, the danger that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego need to be delivered from doesn't just start when they feel the heat of the furnace. It's a powerful story. Now, um, let's be sure to cover the basics of the story, right? So King Nebuchadnezzar uh, makes a statue. Now, there's some discussion about whether the statue is of a Babylonian god or whether it's just a good old-fashioned representation of King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to go with that one. So King Nebuchadnezzar makes a great statue of himself outside the city and says, everybody will have to worship them, uh, worship uh, at the uh, statue. Now, um, let's be honest here, right? In Daniel chapter 1 and even towards the end of 2, that um, Nebuchadnezzar has become... Uh, impressed with Daniel and his God. At the end of chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar is going on and on about how wonderful Yahweh is, but here we wake up in chapter 3, and Nebuchadnezzar's building a statue, some would say, to weed out the Jews. And so um, the three uh, young men, um, some scholars like to call them boys, but they were actually officials in Nebuchadnezzar's government. So I'm thinking more like lawyers or bureaucrats, right? Um, And so they choose not to bow down at the statue. And uh, and I, I don't know whether the biblical record is making fun of King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Because how many times did Glinda have to say, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. It's like, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. 
right? Do, do you hear that kind of humor in the repetition, right? You, you can even get a little bit of this humor from Scripture where it talks about how one would bow down. When one hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the drum, and in the entire musical ensemble, right? It's said three or four times. Not sure if the biblical record is making fun of King Nebuchadnezzar, or if this is just that performative, bureaucratic government speak that Nebuchadnezzar uses. So uh, the three men resist, and they actually tell King Nebuchadnezzar, just want you to know, if you ask us to bow down at the statue, we won't. Now, there is some discussion among scholars about how confident Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in their statement to Nebuchadnezzar that their God will save them and that they will not bow down. You know, King Nebuchadnezzar gets mad. He says, well, I will throw you in the furnace if you don't bow down. And there's this wavering, I think, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're like, you can throw us in. And we think our God will save us. But if not, we'd rather die than worship, you know, your statue. There's this waiver. Why don't you go back and think back to your vacation Bible school days. Why don't you think back to Esther, right? When Esther is confronted by her uncle, when, when her uncle says, do not think that this is going to ride on you. There will be someone else that God will bring forward. What does Esther say? For such a time as this, right? I, I love when scripture puts into the mouths of women spiritual leaders unequivocal desire to serve God even in the face of death. Think about uh, Ruth and Naomi, right? Uh, remember that beautiful um, passage and commitment but from the uh, pagan daughter to the faithful mother, and I'm sorry, daughter-in-law to the faithful mother-in-law. Wherever you go, I will go. Whoever you serve, I serve. Your God will be my God. We find that such a powerfully um, a com powerful commitment of allegiance that people inscribe it on the inside of their wedding rings. It's a, it's a powerful statement. Think of, um, think of Abraham, right? God says, go east. And Abraham says, all right, change my name. Let's go. It's only Jacob that we get this kind of, well, I'll go, but let's wrestle first, right? I'll go, but tell me your name. I'll go, but uh, we got to take care of Esau. Right? I mean, like, it's fascinating. When you look at all the different commitments of allegiance between biblical heroes with God in the face of adversity, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they waver just a little bit. Initially, it appears that this story is about the dangers of idolatry. Or if you go back to the flannel board, it feels like this story is about the people who do really good things get to be heroes because they made the right choice. And I want to say that there's more going on here than just a hero worship story. I mean, I get it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did things that I have never been challenged to do. But then I don't live in King Nebuchadnezzar's time I'm not a foreign immigrant to a new land. 
I have not been forced to change my name. I have not been forced to leave my religion. So let's dive into why do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have faith? They have faith because they have seen God move. They have seen God move in the midst of exile, in the midst of the great reversal, as I called it. Um, it is interesting that their names uh, have Hebrew root words. Uh, you know, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were raised in faithful Jewish homes. They are not new converts to the faith. They have been people who have been reciting the Shema, who have been giving to the poor, those who have been faithful to God all of their lives. In addition to having seen God move in miraculous ways and being formed by a faithful family, they have surrounded themselves with faithful people. They don't just show up on King Nebuchadnezzar's doorstep. No, Daniel knows of their faith and promotes them, recommends them. These are powerful things to realize what's happening in our story. So um, let's talk a little bit more. I don't think it's about idolatry. I really do think this is about allegiance and commitment. Notice that the three young men refuse to bow down, but they are threatened with death, not more, uh, let's see, three times alone in chapter three that um, when they finally uh, convince the king that they are not going to bow down, that they are threatened with the, the furnace, and the furnace is heated so hot that the guards who throw them into the furnace die from the heat. Um, and then when, um, when the folk around the furnace go and look, I love, there's, you should um, Google it. Um, there's a beautiful image of King Nebuchadnezzar looking into the furnace. You should, you should look at that piece of art. It's beautiful. And as King Nebuchadnezzar looks in, he sees not three people, but four. And scripture says it is one who is like God. I think the story here isn't about idolatry worship. The story here is about a God who shows up in the furnace. It's about a God who preserves us in the hot places of life. It is the God who is faithful before the furnace gets heated, while the furnace is heated, and even is so faithful to who uh, loves and serves him that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. This is powerful. In some ways, Nebuchadnezzar is made to look like a fool, because at the end of chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar is now threatening the rest of his court. If you speak poorly about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you'll be torn from limb to limb. And you might say, ho-ho, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, woohoo! you did it! You converted the king, but just wait. Chapter four is coming. Chapter five is coming. Chapter six is coming. King Nebuchadnezzar, um, he, is, um, he is like a reed blowing in the wind. He'll wait and see which way the wind blows and go with the most powerful display of power. You know, the clash between the power of God and the forces of the world encourage us to pay attention to uh, Daniel chapter 3. Traditionally, Daniel chapter 3 is read on the Easter vigil. 
The Easter Vigil is that night before as we come in. It is the first beginning statements about the power of the resurrection. It is the beginning uh, where we um, see that hope for physical restoration and resurrection are possible. That deliverance from an unjust death at the hands of an empire is possible. And that a miraculous son of God, not bound even by death, is the God that we serve. I also find it interesting that this Daniel chapter 3 story is mentioned by Jewish activist and Holocaust survivor Elie Weissel. Elie reminds his readers that we live in a world where our neighbors continue to face the threat of eradication through fire and violence. Uh, Weissel describes seeing the fires of the crematoriums as he and his fellow Jews crowded into train cars approached the concentration camp. His life reminds readers that while Daniel's friends survived the fiery furnace, the gas chambers and the crematoriums claimed millions more. That if anything, Daniel 3 reminds us why we struggle and resist against injustice. Remember that a definition of evil is just a matter of when good people do nothing. I have to say that resisting injustice needs to be something higher on our list in the American church for the years to come before us. To resist injustice requires that we wear blinders, but not the blinders of fake news or social media, but the blinders of an allegiance to a God who has showed up on our behalf regularly. We may not be in furnaces of fire from King Nebuchadnezzar, but you've been in a furnace. I know you have. I've been your pastor for nine years now. I know that life is not easy, but God has showed up in that furnace every time. And sometimes when I think some of y'all have been so close to the fire that you should smell like smoke, God's even redeemed you from that. So I think it's important for us to have blinders. Blinders so that all we see is God. Blinders so that our allegiance is only to God. Uh, Earlier this week, uh, Josh and I led a prayer vigil. And I think those scriptures and those uh, scripted prayers and even my uh, short comments uh, about the event uh, are helpful for us to pay attention to. It's not about uh, the Democrats will save us or the Republicans will preserve us. You do remember that King Nebuchadnezzar was like a reed in the wind and he uh, blew whichever way the wind blows. I often think that people in power are willing to blow wherever the power goes. And so it's on us to keep our blinders on so that we see and stay faithful to God. There's been a lot of conversation in social media about um, uh, anti-fascism and libertarianism and nationalism and socialism. I, I wanna be clear with you. What we were taught in seminary was that fascism is the love of the land. It's not even the love of your neighbor. Because if, if the land requires a um, eradication of those who are imperfect, those who love the land will sell their neighbors down the river. I really do believe that all of those isms, nationalism, fascism, socialism, and libertarianism do not equal full-voiced faithfulness in God. Sure, there's a mixture along the way, but my encouragement to you is to resist injustice 
I think our baptismal covenant says, in whatever forms they present themselves. I truly believe um, that, you know, some would say that I'm a little bit left of center, but Nancy Pelosi is not going to save me. Uh, Some would say that I grew up in the woodlands and I should be a little right of center. Mitch McConnell is not going to save me. No uh, offense to either one of them, but I keep my blinders on because I know when the furnace is heated hotter than it's ever been, the only one that will be there with me is the one who is like a son of God, that my deliverance will come even if everything else is against me, if I continue to be faithful to the one who moves mountains, the one whom my help comes from, the one who moves heaven and earth, the one who raised Jesus from the dead. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.